0: Father, we, we really just welcome you here this evening. We want to hear from you. You are the ultimate parent. Uh, we believe that you have answers for every time, even this new age that feels so different and strange. You saw it coming. You're not surprised. You're not afraid. You're not freaked out. You're not panicked. And you have wisdom for us. And so I pray that this evening, as we honor you and make space for you and prick up our ears to hear from you that you would speak through us, that you would just deposit something amazing for every single person who's come here this evening, uh, that they would walk away with something that wasn't just interesting or true, but for them, from their God. Um, And if that can happen tonight, we'll just be so grateful. So thank you, Lord, for what you will do in advance. Amen. Okay, let me uh, introduce the people who are going to help make sense of this topic. Um, Christy, will you come and join me on the stage? Christy Herselman um, decided that she was so good at having the sex talk with her kids uh, that she was just going to tell other parents how to do that. Um, What kind of lunatic volunteers for that sort of thing. Um, So the chat is this organization that has grown up around um, what Christy has done. And we'll ask her in a moment uh, what that really means, and she's written some books, some of which are available this evening, um, and this is, this is the person you really want to go to with difficult questions um, around sex and all that other stuff, and parenting and how those two ideas combine, um, not in the making of the children, but then in the keeping them on the straight and narrow afterwards. Uh, no one can tell you about the first topic, but Christy will be helpful on the second topic. Um <laughs> Okay, so thank you so much for joining us this evening. And then to her left, Jonathan Manley. Uh, that's not a stage name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you didn't know that was coming. Um, I, am, I am thrilled and, and really, really honored that we're getting some of his time. His time is in great demand. Um, Executive head of St. Mary's. So has to try to parent Loads and loads of girls all the time. I mean, that's just, I have, I think, potentially, the guy not sure, but we think we have a girl on the way. And I'm terrified about one. Never mind a school full of them. Um, And and I'm just thinking, like, drama in capital letters. Um, And so, uh, he, his staff rave about him. They say that he reads, like, six books a month. Um, Six books a day. <laughs> Joe would know, um, and and so th- this is a man with a with a brain, um, and so we're really we're really thrilled to have both of you. Thank you so much for for giving us your time and for jumping into the um, the lion's den. Um, how are, how are you doing, Chrissy, How are you feeling for tonight's chat? Are you are you ready?
1: Yeah, well we've come all the way up the hill. It's freezing up here. <laughs> I was I had to order coffee just now. I was like shivering. Um, but it's so wonderful. Yeah, it's so wonderful to be here. Um, I have two small. I have twins who have just turned ten, and um, a daughter who is twelve. My boys are in mainstream school, and my daughter took out of school this this year. Well, we took her out of school. My husband Brad is here with me, um, and I actually said to Brad, "We we've really been to Westville to watch hockey and gone back to Auschwitz and come here. So we've been on the road a bit, which is great." Why chance.
0: do you um? Why do you hate the planet so much? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry.
0: It's okay. <laughs> Let's just burn through the fossil fuels as fast as we can, and then it'll be fine.
1: <laughs> oh, well, you know, you've got to go where you've got to go. Yeah. we no. have good public transport, There
0: it is. Ever. Bang. Right. Um, That's good. But
1: yeah, I just said we actually had a good homeschool day today, which doesn't happen that often, so I'm actually feeling really amped.
0: Well done. <laughs> well done. Um, Jonathan, how are you? How did we find you this evening?
2: Yeah, I had an interesting day. I uh, started today with uh, seeing something very, very special at school, two little grey ones. Uh, The one had hurt herself and she had gone to the sand, to our sand sister, and her friend had gone with her and they were walking back to class now holding hands, having this deep conversation, and they walked past a couple of the the heads we were sitting chatting. They were so involved in this conversation they didn't notice us, because they normally stop and greet us, and it's quite a big thing for them to see the heads and to say hello, but these two were, were just so... Into this conversation, they walked straight past us, slowly walking back to class. And I turned to Joe and we, and we noticed that one of the other heads said, Don't you wish they stayed like that all the way through to the trip? <laughs> we were like, Oh, yes. <laughs> Teenagers, high school, yeah, different, everything changes. So, yeah, no, that was the start of my day. Uh, it got a little bit more interesting when we had a, a meeting with some of the senior girls who uh, are fired up, you know, they're wanting, we're a girls school, as you know, and with everything that's going on in the country around gender-based violence and xenophobia, they're wanting to, you know, join the, the stand, the protest, do something, you know, uh, so it was, it was an interesting discussion about what we could do and how we could do it, and then with, the, you know, the, the proposed Wednesday uh, 9-11 for South Africa, where all the women are going to stay at home. And bring the country to a standstill, you know. So, are we going to have school on Wednesday? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because I'm a man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, being Mr. Manly in a girls' school yeah. is awkward sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for my daughter. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh man, um, that's another reason why you want them to stay in grade one. They just wander around oblivious. No one can care about you. That would, that'd be helpful. Um, let, let's just stay with you, Jonathan. What kind of social media user are you? I mean, what are your? If you're reading six books a day, are, are you a are you a Kindle person? What is your?
2: No, I'm actually. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I listen to books as opposed to read them. I do read books as well, but I find I get through books faster if I listen to them. So audiobooks—that's my sort of. Uh, I get through two or three, realistically, uh, books a month on audio. You can't turn up the speed. So they, they, um, they talk really fast, but they're not like chipmunks just yet. Do
0: they not? Because <laughs> no, that's it, the it, reason. They make it, it sound yeah. like
2: that, but then you can't understand anything. Yeah. So that's not useful. Um, the kind of social media user, I'd say that I'm, I'm a sort of strategic one, a functional one. So uh, the way I've structured things on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn... Uh, I'm often look, looking for what people are saying around education and psychology and, and people's health and wellness. So I find a lot of useful stuff through that. So I don't post a lot. Uh, I, I use it to, to find stuff usually, um, but I'm not a great fan of actually putting myself out there unless I find something I want to share. Uh, so I'd say I'm probably quite discreet. That probably also helps because I'm a headmaster of a school. Um, yeah, so that's that, I suppose, describes me
0: Cool. So all these people have their best chance of getting to know you tonight. They're not going to see you. Yeah, they won't see much of me on social. Yeah, not those those two p.m. posts. This is the real manly. We won't. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Christy, how do you interact with social media? I mean, it's part of your job, I guess. So you can't avoid it. it. It's part
1: of my job. Um, my iPhone screen time will say that I'm majority a WhatsApp person. Okay. Um, now, um, just to
0: clarify, is WhatsApp social media? Totally, That's an interesting...
1: Totally. Social media is any way you interact socially online. Gaming is social media. Our messaging is social media. The, any way you connect with another person online is social media. Okay. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I, I, I do use a lot of WhatsApp. Um, I, I do go on Facebook and Instagram and I post... I, have, I, I realized that I, I had to do some explaining to my daughter the other, yesterday, actually, because um, I have this personality that when something exciting happens, I want to tell everyone. Mm. And that's, that's probably not the best thing. And, and yesterday, um, my daughter was singing while she was doing her maths. And so I recorded her and sent it to her voice trainer. And I was like, this is what maths sounds like in my house. Think this is so cool, I'm going to encourage her, you know. And my daughter was... Furious, She said, you did not ask my permission. You cannot put something on social media without another person's permission. Oh, my but goodness. Because she knows this from me, right? Wow. <laughs> um, and I don't sound good, and I didn't want you to send that to my boyfriend. So she sees
0: you as some kind of sneaky Siri person who's sharing her data with you know yeah. the, big, the man.
1: Well, she just didn't sound good, and it made her look bad to a teacher. So that was weird. But, but it's, so I, I, I do spend a lot of time on some weird spaces like TikTok, because I have to research, right? So I make up these names like Chat Girl 125, and then i go um, looking around because s- you've got to be on these platforms, right? So
0: that was you to talking expect. to me. That That's- was
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was a 16-year-old somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching to see what you were
0: doing. No, I have. Um, I don't know if I speak for everyone, but I'm about to ask you what the heck is TikTok because I think. <laughs> um, but. So but
1: Preteen girl will know what TikTok is because it's a it's a platform for sharing very short lip sync videos, um, and at best it's an innocuous way of just sharing really um, silly videos of you singing to a song. But a lot of them are incredibly raunchy. Um, TikTok has hashtags like hashtag self harm hashtag. Pro-an, which pro which pro-anorexia. And there's also, like every single social media platform, if we manage it well as parents, it can be just a group of little girls sharing a cute video. But a lot of the time, there are kind of a dark underbelly to these things. So that's why I spend time just to go and see what's going on, what girls are putting out there at what age. And yeah, it can be a little scary.
0: So what else is out there? Just tell us, tell us these terms we can throw out that will make us sound... Like we know some stuff.
1: Okay, so if you have a girl, you need to know TikTok. If you have a boy, you need to know, who knows? Fortnite. Fortnite is social media. If you didn't think it was, it very much is. And a lot of app developers call it the perfect storm of social media because Mm -hmm. it's a a mix of Hunger Games and um, Minecraft where you can get together in groups with your friends or with strangers and basically you want to be the last man standing. So you want to kill everyone else But there's cool dances, there's cool songs, it's really cute animation, and it's probably one of the most addictive games that's out there. Um, A a couple of weeks ago, I met with a psychologist in Devon North who had two cases of full-blown Fortnite addiction um, in little boys in our community because it is very, very addictive. Um, Again, manage it well, be on it with your kids, it's a different story, but left alone with endless hours of it, very, very damaging.
0: Jonathan, what else do you see um, your students on? What, what is the landscape?
2: Sure, as soon as you think you know, there's something uh, new. It's
0: so whack a mole. Ah, got you. Oh, another yeah, one.
2: Oh. It, it is like that. Yeah. Um, for, for us, we work in a, in a team approach, and as soon as we hear of something going down, we, we investigate, we talk, we get the girls to talk, and, and they will tell you because they are struggling, especially the younger ones. And I know Jo Kinsey today was talking to some of the grade eights, and she posed the question, what's the biggest challenge you have in high school? And they said social media. Mm. Um, so they know it's difficult, and uh, if you give them a chance to talk, they will tell you what's going on. Uh, but they are also nervous because they don't want to seem like, you know, the girl who told on that kind of thing, but they struggle, and they know that at out the depth quite often, and they can get swept along. So an innocent thing like TikTok, we had an incident this year where a girl was using it to cyberbully bully other girls. Um, you, know, you wouldn't have thought that because that wasn't what it was designed mm. for but uh, children are very resourceful, they'll find ways to use technology in very interesting ways um, and then you, you often have to help them uh, understand that they've got to come back to a value based life uh, and, and uh, the key one there is respect and acceptance
0: What um, are you seeing as the results of this? So, so this way of living um, how are you seeing it? What effects is it having in the in the girls?
2: So in real terms, what happens uh, just practically, they end up spending less time with one another face to face, even when they 're sitting next to each other. so they might be sitting in a circle, six, eight girls, um, and only three of them are talking to one another. The rest are on their phones um, and and that plays out, and research tells us that they're spending uh, 50% less time face-to-face uh, sure. in, in a social uh, manner, so that equates to an hour less a day talking to someone face-to-face. And, and that means that if you, if you add that up during their teenage years, they're not developing the social skills that they could be, and also they're not getting the richness that comes from being connected and having healthy relationships. So the one thing that we're constantly pushing back against is, you know, you make the most of the relationships that you've got, the real ones. Uh, Stay connected to friends who, you know, you don't get to see every day, but the ones that you do see every day, you need to actually appreciate that opportunity. Because school, uh, teenagers will tell you that school is terrible, usually, but uh, school actually is a very, very rich time in your life. You never have the opportunity to make the friendships uh, like you do at school, so we, we Constantly reminding them to to make the most of the face to face time, and and they don't always understand it. So sometimes you have to be uh, you have to have rules and consequences to to get them to experience it, and then they they realise, oh, okay, yeah. so maybe these old guys who run the school they actually know if they thing or two. I
0: want to um, put words in your mouth, but I remember when we were chatting the other day, you were you were describing what sounded to me a little bit like um, living by democracy almost, that, that kids are finding they can barely just know how they feel about an experience they're having, have to quickly post it first and check if anyone likes it, and only then was that a great experience. Is that an accurate way to describe what you were seeing?
2: Yeah, that definitely uh, plays out. Um, and unfortunately, what strengthens that kind of mindset is this idea that you, you need external validation. So um, as a school, we, we avoid, you know, um, Giving badges and things to our girls ad nauseum uh, because that that's part of that external validation. So we challenge them to look inside, find the value inside, look at their identity, who they are. So that when they have something happen to them or they do something that they feel proud of and they post it or they talk about it, it's good regardless of the response that comes back. But they do they can fall victim to that. You know, unless other people agree with me, then it wasn't a good thing, and, and then I'll probably take it down and not talk mm. about it again. Um, They they are vulnerable in that space, the likes and the follows (coughs) are definitely part of the dynamic that drives them into that space to seek um, validation by the the online community. Mm -hmm. So you've you've got to, as parents and as a school, you've got to give them real experiences, because experiences trump everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can tell a child what to do, but when they experience it, they think they've discovered it for themselves and then they know it and it's theirs. But if you tell them it's yours, you know, and the lesson doesn't transfer. So, experience-based learning is a fantastic way to actually um, sort of strengthen our children and, and future-proof them uh, against things like this, that technology okay. brings.
0: Okay, um, Christy, just give us a fright. What, what else? <laughs> scare us properly, help us really understand. What are, you, what are the implications? What are the changes you're seeing for, for young people?
1: Um. So probably probably important is to is to realise where our children are at when we when we mostly place these devices into their hands. So the average age for our communities are it's kind of grade six or seven, um, and they're moving into a very pivotal part of their life at at this point. It's um that pre, it's that preteen going into teen stage, and a lot of stuff is happening in their hearts as we as we put them into this um, social media space. So, number one, they they pretty much think from their amygdala, which is the emotion part of our brain. They're very passionate, um, so there's there's all the emotions, the fear, the passion, um, the joy, all those very strong emotions is kind of where their decision-making comes from because their prefrontal cortex, which is kind of the breaks of the brain, the higher thinking, the um, thinking things through in consequence, only comes online later. Um, And added to that, they're able to think abstractly for the first time. So little kids don't care what anyone thinks of them because they aren't able to think abstractly. But when you go into your preteen, you're suddenly able to put yourself outside your body and look back at yourself um, and go, what do people think of me? And then increases in oxytocin and chemicals like that mean that external validation, peer validation, and and parental and coach become very, very important. So they're constantly asking themselves questions like, do I belong? Am I liked? Am I good enough? Do people appreciate me? And so think of that's all going on in their hearts and minds. And then we give them a device which puts them out into the world. And so... Um, Things like um, Snapchat and Instagram, which um, Instagram is most, more girls, um, Snapchat is the kind is the, the, of...
0: Just know. quickly deleting Instagram here.
1: No, I love Instagram. <laughs> so let's put it out there. I love my phone. I love social media. I think it's awesome. So let's just say that we're not the social media police for yeah. sure. Um, but but we do know that even at our age, I kind of do experiments on myself every now and again, and I scroll through my Instagram and go, what is my what is my internal narrative as I'm going through this? It's often like, oh, they've taken their kids on Lon- to London for the holidays. If we're lucky, we'll go a Granny down the coast. Need to save more money for mm-hmm. overseas holiday. Scroll down. They are doing crafts with their kids. Hate crafts. Last time we painted, the dog became a zebra. Don't do. Got to do more crafts with my kids. <laughs> perfectly laid table for dinner. Oh my gosh, they set the table for Okay, got to buy more candles, got to lay the table for dinner. This is my narrative. Yeah. Uh, it's that scarcity mentality that we live with. And I'm 43, okay? So when you're 12, those things are way worse because I have a prefrontal cortex, hopefully, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, but when it's underdeveloped, it's often that, that negative narrative. Um, it's that online, constant, real-time popularity contest of... Do I belong? Am I good enough? And interestingly, teens now—they drink less. I mean, correct correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan. But according to my research, they have less sex, they go out less, they get drunk less. But mostly because they're in their bedrooms on their phones.
0: So we miss the good old days.
1: I know, right? (laughs)
0: understand that stuff. (laughs) Let's
1: give them all phones and just keep them at home.
0: (laughs) Okay, tell us, um, uh, just before we start to soothe this with a little bit of help and some positive news, um, what are some of the implications that are not so obvious? So these are the sort of obvious things, and and bullying, and, Mm. and sexting, and the raunchiness, and the popularity contest, that stuff... It's probably worse than we imagined but it is what we would imagine what are some of the things that we're seeing uh, Jonathan that might not immediately be obvious that you're starting to notice are, are consequences
2: um, a, a couple of things the one for me that, that personally I, I hate uh, to see is uh, they become passive they, they really become passive um, and you know, so they watch a, a series on Netflix in their room alone on a Saturday instead of going out to their friends but they're texting you know, their mates about it at the same mm-hmm. time um, and then when they finish that series, the Netflix tells you what you should watch next, and, and so on. So they, they become passive consumers. And, and that, for me, is, is really dangerous, because we're not meant to be passive in our life. We're meant to be active, intentional, purpose-driven. Um, and so that's the challenge that I, I, I would take back to, to teenagers in particular. But you're absolutely right. They, they are staying at home much more. They're not doing the rebellious stuff quite as much as they used to. And for many parents, they would think, oh, thank goodness. But actually, it's natural uh, that they start to push away from you. That's how they form uh, their sense of independence. And only when they've got that sense of independence can they reconnect with you as adults. That's
0: fascinating. Just to pick up on, so I wonder, I mean, I think I can see this playing out in the church context, that parents, to begin with, are sometimes actually celebrating what they should be worried about, because it's, well, it's just quiet, and it's peaceful, and they're not wrecking the car, and, and, and we're actually creating a potentially bigger or harder to solve problem for ourselves by taking the short-term peace. Is that sort of what you're seeing?
2: Yeah, so what
0: marketers are telling us now is that the teenage years ended at 30. So, uh, just uh, reloading uh, Instagram onto my
2: phone. <laughs> Part of the reason is that children are taking longer to grow up because so much has being done for them. We're a service-driven society, so everything has been done for you, your next step is planned for you. Uh, often uh, your day is scheduled, your week is scheduled by your parents, when you don't know what to do, uh, even at varsity, you know, your parents phone you to wake you up for an exam. Uh, it's, it's that kind of lifestyle that we're drifting into, and that's not right. Uh, children. Should be taking ownership of their life, feeling that they've got to make choices for themselves. Otherwise, they're never going to experience what it's like to make a mistake, have healthy regret. You know, seek wisdom from a, someone who's older than them, or they respect, or turn to God and pray and contemplate and reflect. All those things just don't happen. So when will it happen? It then has to happen later, sure. uh, when they face a, a, a real crisis, maybe in their twenties. You know, they can't don't get the first thirty jobs they apply for.
0: And, and they don't know why, because, you know, they're awesome. <laughs> 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 um, what else? <laughs> That's great. Um, they are. I mean, every single child in the Upper Highway area is above average, that so we know this. <laughs> uh, what else are, the, are, are some of the implications that you're starting to see that might not immediately come to mind? Um,
1: I think... I think um, possibly some of the, the, the kind of deeper things. So we think they just disconnected, they just um, kind of absor- absorbed on their phone, but, but the research that's coming out now is that these things are much deeper. We're we having clinical things like Snapchat dysmorphia, where the online self is more real than, than the concrete self. We're um, we having huge um, levels of um, depression and anxiety, increased suicide rates, um, so I think it's it's important to realise that it's a that it is quite a big problem. It's not just oh, I'm frustrated because my, my child isn't talking to me and um, isn't kind of um, interacting face to face. That it is, um, yeah. That it's having long term implications and and also that the, these things will will endure into adulthood because neuro pathways are being formed. Um, Obviously, concentration, all, all those mm. kinds of things are being impacted into the future. So it's not kind of a, a here and now thing. Um, a couple of other things. Um, Jonathan said before, sleep. Mm. Sleep is, is getting... Our kids' sleep is getting cut into um, drastically uh, because of the screens, but also because of phones in their bedrooms. So
0: when you say because of the screens, what do you mean? Well,
1: the, you know, the, the bright colours. Um, sleep, uh, screens just before sleep mean poor sleep. Okay. Um, uh, less of the REM deep restful sleep um, and, and having their phones in their rooms they're possibly checking them during the night uh, or they're having chats through the night having little bits of sleep um, a, a friend, my daughter has a little WhatsApp group on, on my phone and one of her friends last year so they were 11 um, posted at th- 3 in the morning so, because they they're not necessarily able to make these wise choices, but they have access, um, yeah, these, and, and those lead to problems like obesity, anxiety, all sorts of implications of, of lack of sleep. And then, for me, one of the big ones is that we, we are losing boredom.
2: Okay.
1: Um, this constant connectivity, so you go from home, from school when you're connected, you go home and you connect it, that your brain, number one, never gets a chance to rest. So you, don't, you can't form an opinion if you're constantly being fed other people's opinion. You can't have an original thought if you're constantly getting fed other people's thoughts. You, I, I don't know about you, but my boys don't come home and go, Mom, make yourself a cup of tea. I just want to tell you everything that happened today. It happens when you're outside hitting the ball or when, you, when they've had that time for their brains to unwind and go hang on a second, this happened at school, I don't, didn't really understand it, or it made me feel like this. Sorry to interrupt, the chair's break. Oh, gosh. Thank you, bro. Got your back.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that has drastically reduced the entertainment value of this evening. <laughs> 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 yeah, for those Everyone's listening...
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, people were paying less attention to you yeah. then. Um, yeah, and so yeah. just
1: that thing of... Um, If we go and look up the link between creativity and boredom, I'm sure you know, Jonathan, is that um, we will lose the cure to diseases. We will lose the solution to the plastic problem if we don't let our children get bored and come up with great mm. ideas.
0: It's good for the planet to put so them in the back of your car, driving from Amploti to Cluf and back, yes. and so burning all those fuels because they're going fi- to... Exactly. <laughs> I don't even care about fossil it's fuel, I'm sorry. It's all for the planet. <laughs> 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 um, any other important things for us to, to um, spot? Just
2: building on that idea of boredom, it's actually really important to let your children experience boredom. Uh, that They then have to take responsibility to find a way out of that. Mm. And part of that will force them to reflect. Uh, it, it's such an important practice, reflection, and, mm-hmm. and if you constantly being sort of drip-fed these ideas and mm-hmm. opinions and things, you, you don't get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, our children are, most of them, if they've got a smartphone, they're never bored, but they're never satisfied. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that going hand-in-hand hand is, is, a, is, a, is a dynamic or a spiral mm-hmm. pattern mm-hmm. that's really unhealthy. Uh, and then also just building on the sleep thing. So much research is coming out now about the importance of sleep. Uh, and for me, the interesting thing is that the, the, the sleep before midnight is so important, especially if your child wants to do well academically. That's the sleep that counts. And then the sleep after midnight is where your EQ gets um, sorted out. So you need a balance of both of those. And we we tend not to... Midnight is no longer middle of the night. But our circadian rhythm actually thinks it is. So... Children need to sleep, go to bed earlier. That's quite important. They can get up early if they really want to, but as you know, teenagers don't usually like that. But um, when I tell the girls at my school, you should be getting eight hours sleep, they do literally burst out laughing. They think, you know, he's going mad. What they don't realize is that when they start sacrificing sleep, then the next day becomes harder. They're not emotionally as strong and well prepared, so maybe they have a fight with their friend or they're short or they get grumpy with people. That rolls into the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Actually, they're sort of underperforming by up to 10% of their, e- their IQ uh, because they're not getting enough sleep. And many children, teenagers, are on medication for ADHD, anxiety, depression, um, bipolar uh, disorder, and they're not. They just need to sleep wow. eight hours a day. Sure. And if they're primary school, it should be nine or ten hours. So if you can get these sleep patterns into a really good space, you actually are helping them in a way that will get them to perform superbly. Mm. But, of course, uh, people don't really realize that. So if you've got one of those watches that track your sleep, um, that's the only reason why I've got one. Uh, it, it's, really, it's really interesting. So the, the first thing I do in the morning when I wake up is check, how did I sleep? And I find it fascinating because I think, well, how did I dream? When did I dream? Does not show? Mm. And it does. And what I know is my pattern is before midnight. I spend more time in deep sleep. After midnight, I spend more time in REM sleep. And it, and it fits the, the, the research. Sure. Uh, I always thought I could survive on like six hours sleep a night. And, and I did for many, many years. And as I got older, something's caught up. And, uh, and now I, I, work, I work actively to try and get close to eight hours sleep a night.
0: That's amazing.
1: And probably one risk that we probably need to just add in here is pornography. Um, this is something that I think we're underestimating as a culture and as a society. Uh, with the gender-based violence that's now being spoken about, there's, there's now a spotlight on it again because of the links between pornography and, and rape and gender-based violence. But I think it's important to, to realise that a couple things is, number one, the average age that a child in South Africa sees porn for the first time is 11. Um, usually while searching for something for homework... Most of those children are not looking for pornography; they are stumbling upon it. Um, a third of all the porn viewed in South Africa is viewed by women, so it's definitely not just a, a guy thing. Um, and probably for me, one of the most worrying statistics is about 89% of young people between 18 and 25 believe that porn is fine. They either view it in a neutral or encouraging way, saying, "In the right context, um, it's okay, as long as it's you, you know, no one's forcing you." But the reality is that um, research just come out now in the States that one-third of all divorces in the US are attributed to pornography, mm. so it's tearing families apart. Um, the, the number of men with erectile dysfunction in their 20s has gone up from 6% pre-internet to somewhere around 28%. Mm. So this generation of young men is getting completely devastated and it's ruining, and, and probably about 80% of porn is violent and portrays women as enjoying that violence. And so our young men predominantly are getting fed, uh, and most porn is viewed by 14 to 17 year old boys. And so they're getting fed this diet of absolute lies about sex and intimacy. Mm. Um, And this is forming their opinions. And the majority of young people asked will say they use the internet to supplement what their parents, or use it as the only thing, the only source of information because their parents are not talking to them. So, yes, we have to have the chats, but we have to have many, many conversations around sexuality, um, around what is consent, what does healthy sexuality look like, um, all these conversations, because, because porn is, um, and I know the schools are kind of like trying to figure out, especially the boarding schools and the boys' schools, is what do we do with this thing? Because it's just becoming another form of entertainment. Um, but the, the long-term, deep-seated damage that's being done is horrific. Yeah. you
0: said to me earlier that um, there was an age you quoted where your your values are really being entrenched mm-hmm. and they, they tend to be pretty stable for the rest of, what was that age? Yeah,
1: so it's kind of 12 to 14
0: exactly when all that porn yeah. is being viewed Okay, so we're all leaving here right now <laughs> to go and just rip down cell phone towers and take back everyone's phone, even each other's, and lock them away, and like, we're going to kill social media. Like, it's just evil. Is that the conclusion we should draw? Is, this, is there no upside? Is it, um, it, we should, should parents just be trying to clamp down and control this as much as possible? Jonathan, what do you think?
2: Now, with every technology, it can be used in an evil, terrible, destructive way. Uh, for me, I encourage parents to be, to be active in their parenting, to, to stay connected to with their children, so if their children have got particular interests and uh, they're spending a lot of time in that particular interest, whatever it might be, if it's sport or a hobby of some kind or, or whatever it might be, then become involved, uh, stay connected, uh, stay part of their life so that you, you can have those conversations when you're kicking a ball or when you're standing you know next to the river or at the beach or whatever it might be. Those incidental conversations, you can't plan them but you can, you can try and set up uh, the environment or the, or the context so that they happen. And that's often where you're able to speak into your child's life in a very profound way, um, because it's been set up, usually they invite the, the, the conversation to go to a certain place and then you can speak into that, into that place. So I think we've got, to, we've got to really focus on living intentionally with our children, developing values. Uh, and helping them understand how those play out. So have those conversations where you, where you talk about hypotheticals and you say, okay, well, what happened if... and get the, the, your children to, 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 to try and explain what they think might happen. And then, and then play the scenario out and see where it, it, it can take them. Um, that way, again, it's reflection. And by talking through it, it, it also gets them to, to uh, in a way, start to feel what it might be like to, to be in that situation. So I wouldn't say we, we should be you know, burning phones and tearing mm-hmm. down cell phone towers just yet. Uh, in fact I think it's quite important that we do the opposite. Um, I think social media is a, is a platform where we can, we can touch the world in a very positive, amazing way with God's grace and God's guidance and, and I think we've actually got to take responsibility uh, for taking back social media and making it ours uh, from, a, from a positive point of view. So for me, values are are really critical, and staying connected to your child. Um, I I know when when my son was at a certain age, and he started showing a lot of interest in in gaming, um, and I thought, oh, crumbs, Yeah, okay, all the stories I've heard, you know, where's this going to go? And I thought, okay, well, I can either, you know, say, no, you're not allowed that, or I can say only one hour a day, or, you know, or I can say, I'm going to play with you. And he was much better than me, very quickly, which wasn't great for my ego. But, and, and this is something I heard a long time ago, that um, you can often have very difficult conversation shoulder to shoulder that you can't have eye to eye. Yeah. So you know, guys, when you're sitting at the bar turning chops and we often talk about a whole bunch of stuff. And when you're driving in the car and someone's sitting next to you, you also have conversations that are usually quite profound and meaningful. But if you're sitting staring at your child you know, face-to-face, it sometimes doesn't go that well. So if your child's a gamer, sit down next to them and play Mm. and see what happens. Uh, You probably will will have conversations you didn't realise could actually just emerge out of nowhere.
0: Sure. Christy, give us a few more ideas around how to stay connected to our kids and, and stay in their space so we can see what they're actually up to and engage with them as opposed to just drifting slowly and disgruntledly away <laughs> from them?
1: Um, I think, I think the, the giving of social media, giving of devices to our children has to be a very intentional process. So when we're saying that our children and kids in general like to know the plan, so lots of communication, but also as we, as we dip into those spaces, um, to not, I use the analogy in my book, um, that's coming out in Jan of a car. Uh, my boys would love a Ferrari. But I'm not gonna give them one for their tenth birthday, hand them the keys and go, have a great time, don't kill anyone and stay safe. But we do that with a phone. Why why do we do that with a phone? Because we don't see the dangers as imminently. But a car at the right time, with the right driving lessons, with the right instruction, with the learner next with a driver next to you as you learn, it's an incredible, incredibly helpful tool, the same with phones. And so Uh, whether it's um, gaming or um, an iPad or phones, whatever the device is, is to provide that scaffolding. Um, To not hold off as long as possible and then let it go, because then it just goes, but rather intentionally to stay engaged. And so um, the one tip that I had is never give your child a phone for their birthday because then it becomes theirs. You, You have a phone and you say, I have bought this phone for you to use, it's a very big responsibility and a very big privilege. I'm going to navigate it with you, and as long as you show that you're responsible enough and you're making good choices, you will have increased freedom to use it. But it's not yours. Mm. <laughs> I thought that was great advice. Yeah. I Maybe mean, some of that ship has sailed, which is fine. Um, but I think the thing... Surely of
0: s- you can engineer some situation where exactly. you can find them, and it turns out that the, the price of the phone is exactly what it is that they owed you. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. Um, but I think that thing of... Um, So give them limited use. So at the moment, Emily is allowed to use my WhatsApp and she's allowed to iMessage her cousin and her best friend. So this is her first experience and then as she gets older, she'll have a little bit more. So we call it scaffolding and that dance between responsibility and freedom. Um, So not to just hand it over and hope for the best. To, To say, I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but you can put WhatsApp onto your computer. So when my children get WhatsApp for the first time, it's going to be on my computer. And it's not me snooping around checking. It's me, as you are the learner driver, and I am the licensed driver, helping you, saying the tone of that message was not great. Who's that boy who's messaging you? And I'm going to be in on those conversations because I wouldn't drop my kids off at the beach and go, learn to surf, hope you're okay. It would be a process. And why not with, with phones? And so to just stay very involved, keep it positive... Um, yeah, to give and take I mean, my children know they're not allowed on YouTube And the other day, um, they, ha- they have kids' YouTube But they're not allowed on YouTube um, And I walked into the office Where my, my daughter was at the office with us And she looked up at me like this And she had a friend next to her And I knew, like, you know You know, that you know when you know <laughs> And so I said, my darling, just come I just want to ask you something So I took her out of the room, and so shame her And I said, you were on YouTube, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I said because I'm a mom and I, yeah. but I said, remember I told you that if you want to go on YouTube, we need to do it together. We we agreed on that. That was one of our preset because preset ground rules are the way to go because mm-hmm. you've agreed on them before. Mm-hmm. You're not kind of trying together. So um, at the back of my book, when it comes out, there's a there's a contract. So you say this is what where you're allowed at this stage. And so I said, I'm sorry, you're not going to be allowed on, on the iPad without me in the room all the time for the next little while until I feel like you're safe again. You know. So to have these kind of ongoing conversations is super, super important. So, and not to demonize it. We yeah. can't demonize it because then it becomes us and them. Yeah. And you're just trying to ruin my fun and you doing this and you don't understand because you're old. And it, it can't be that. It's got to be us walking and journeying together. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's an amazing thought to realize the genie can't go back in the bottle. It's out. This is the world we live in. Um, These people are as much physical as they are digital. Their selves are both visible to the naked eye and also visible online. that's, That's where life will play out for them in their adulthood, so we we can't just avoid it. But you were talking about, you know, oh, that thing you posted on Instagram was so inspiring. Like, having those kinds of conversations with your kids as opposed to just checking out Mm -hmm. and hoping for the best.
1: There's so much great stuff online. There really is. And, and, And we go on YouTube together all the time. I mean, Brad and Emily had to try and make something that flies for her social studies class. And we looked at such great videos, and we figured out such great stuff. I mean, you can... You can do so much good if you just in the right parameters at the right time. And, and as you say, there's inspiring people to follow. And so as your, as your kids are online, to, to direct them towards those things. And I think it's it's kind of trying to get them away from in, inward looking at the friendship circle. And, and Because that space is so real to them. Um, and what people think of me. And um, for that not to be their world and their social media experience, that they actually get to craft a healthy social media experience for themselves. Um, and then, yeah, when, when they're very little, to, um, yeah, to know what they're doing. I mean, we, we follow Dude <coughs> Perfect and Cook Slams and all these silly things, but we watch them with our boys because we want them to know that we're involved and we're mm. invested in the in the process.
0: Yeah. Jonathan, your sort of catchphrase when we've chatted about this is that this is not good or bad, this is simply an... Amplifier of whatever is going on in the human heart, anyway. Talk to us a little bit about that idea.
2: Yeah, so any technology um, really just takes what you're doing and, and amplifies it. So that can be for when you do something that's good, or if you're doing something that's bad. So cyberbullying, for example, you know, can take the the pain and suffering that someone is experiencing right off the chart because uh, it, it never, you can't escape it. It's twenty four seven. But at the same time, you can give as much encouragement uh, and, and share uh, you know, what you're going through in a positive way. So it's, it's exactly your, your value set that pushes you to use it one way or the other. Uh, so f- from educators' point of view and from parents' point of view, that's where our responsibility really, really does lie, to, to get children to understand that what they do online um, stays around for a very, very long time. We all remember Bill Clinton experiencing that. Um, and it's too
0: soon. <laughs> it's still too soon. <laughs>
2: and and can have repercussions. So they they have to be mature and wise about what they do, how they use um, social media technology, um, and and not be in a in a rush to do everything. Uh, that's that's also something that they they're susceptible to. They they do feel they have to hurry up and be grown-ups. Mm-hmm. The irony is when they get there, they want to stay you know, teenagers for longer. So uh, it, it's really important, I think, that we talk to children about what's in their heart, what matters to them, where they want to be one day, what kind of person they want to be as a grown-up, um, what they want to accomplish, what dreams they've got, uh, and to find role models, to find people who who represent that in some story-like kind of way. Um, because that shows them that's possible. It's worth being patient, it's worth being determined and persevering when times are tough when things don't work out. Um, so, it's, it's really, for me, it's about having lots of conversations. And the one thing that I've read about uh, and I've discovered or experienced it for myself is that eating meals together with your children is so important. In a book by Madeleine Devine, uh, Levine called The Price of Privilege, she says, she's a psychologist in the States, and she says the most commonly requested thing from teenagers in affluent homes as they eat supper with their parents mm. on a regular basis.
0: So this brings us to quite a terrifying idea that in fact these little people are more annoyed with our social media use than we are with theirs. Mm. Um, and uh, listening to some of the things you've been telling me and some of the things I've heard, there's this trend which really should show the put the mirror on us, that, that kids are going, well, actually, I would just love a little bit of undivided attention from my folks, but i only ever see the top of their head because this important work email needs to be sent or I'm busy organizing a lift, so my thing's important, but you're not allowed to be on social media. And um, if we can't figure out how to really control ourselves and model face-to-face connection, um, then the the concern is, is that we have no leg to stand on when we're then trying to ask them to control themselves. Interesting good news, though, just... Um, because it feels like that time of the night. Um, the, I mean, human beings are pretty resilient and, and quite adaptive. And, and you guys can, can confirm or deny this, but I believe there's a bit of a swing towards people actually learning how to police themselves and, and to push back against this immediacy and this convenience. Um, I've, I've heard about some amazing apps you can download which delay the opening of social media on your phone. You can already get this, where when you click on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, it's going to take five seconds to open, and before it does, it's going to just ask you for, a second time, are you sure? Um, and this isn't something that some draconian, you know, great big scary mother in the sky is telling you all. You should. Be, no, this is the market is asking for this. The market is desiring this because folks are going, I gave up smoking and took up Twitter. Um, and I, I, I just want to have some space to make a conscious decision. Um, and so, not to at all de-emphasize our responsibility as parents, but the good news is that your kids are probably going to grow up into such a saturated world that they're going to long for face-to-face connection. They may not know that's what they want, but that it is what they're going to want, almost more than than our generation, where, where the people who, are, who didn't grow up in this world are sitting ducks often, and if I look at the way my mother-in-law, who hopefully won't download this podcast, works with WhatsApp, um, it's like, your generation's in more trouble than my kids. Um, and and it's just worth knowing that, that, in fact, we've got a generation who's going to rise up actually longing for something different. We do react. You probably don't buy things from city marketers anymore, do you? Like, you've learned. And very few of us <laughs> click on... Any longer. We've learned, like, oh, that's just a waste of my time. The human beings do react, and so there is some good news out there, as well as the fact that social media can be used for so much good. We also are starting to realize what our appetite for this is. Um, take us into some practicals. So, so some of the people in this room have been doing a parenting course, um, and, and the big mantra of it is that we're not going to try and control people. Control is an illusion anyway. You can't control what they think. You can't control what they want. And more often than you would like to know, you actually can't control what they're going to do. So instead of trying to control them, we're trying to learn how to help these people control themselves. But there need to be some strict boundaries drawn, clearly, because there's such danger, um, and we can lose each other so fast. So give us just a few great ideas of, of boundaries that can be drawn. Um, Christy, you can go, go first on some thoughts um, that we could just try tomorrow just to see, does it help life in our home?
1: Awesome. Yeah, I think it's, 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 a, it's a really positive... Um, trend that we're seeing that things are changing in there. and even the app developers are implementing stuff that we as users can then um, implement to make, to make our social media usage more healthy um, and interestingly at the moment um, Instagram is testing hiding likes uh, so you'll know who likes your photo but no one else <coughs> will see and also um, uh, Snapchat is looking at taking off streaks um, those with teenagers will know streaks are an unbroken conversation of a message per day. So a, a lot of it's like a competition to see how many streaks you can get. Um, so to take that competition and comparison element out, mental health bodies are saying it's going to be good for everyone. Um, so there's those kind of positive things. Um, pretty much every every um, uh, platform now is in, is implementing restrictions that you can use. So the iPhone now has screen time, which is awesome. You as a parent can, can link, if your child is under, I think, 13, they should be on your account anyway, where you can put in screen time rules. And then as they get older, you do that with them, how much time they can spend. And then I've done this on my phone, it's wonderful. You have a do not disturb time, I think it's called downtime. And you can choose. I only want WhatsApps to come through. Or I only want calls from my mom Mm. in case she's fallen (laughs) or whatever to come through during that time. So these are very practical. Um, YouTube has them. Snapchat has them. Instagram has them. All these really positive um, things. Uh, I know educators and schools are looking at different things they can do. In the States, they've come up with a cool little pouch um, that phones go into as you arrive. The phone stays your possession, but you can't use it for the duration of the school day. Um, and then at the, at the end of the day, it gets taken out. So there's all these positive things coming. And then just practically as parents, I think um, very clear boundaries, very clear, as I said, upfront, this is what our usage looks like. Times and places that are complete. No tech zones. The dining room table is number one.
0: Oh, no, but mom, you don't understand. No, All my one. friends are on. This is the world. How can you possibly say such a so thing? So if
1: you do that from the beginning, you won't have those conversations mm. because it's one of the presets things. Um, Jonathan, as he said, there's, there's research that says one meal a day, your children are less likely to do drugs... <laughs> They're going to do better in school, they're going to have better relationships, and it all boils down to healthy connection. Sure. So for me, the fundamental thing we can do with our children is build healthy connection. Because connection is what we as humans were created to do.
0: So you were saying there's a communal charging spot, the phone goes there, gets plugged in, it doesn't go into your bedroom at night, that yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, so
1: things like that, where Maybe, it's, maybe you say it's the, it's the um, dining room, it's the car, it's a few places where you're not allowed phones, and then you have, have something called digital sunset, where maybe it's 7 o'clock, maybe it's 8 o'clock, every device goes off, and they all get charged in a communal space. Teenagers are sneaky, so you might want to have it in your bedroom. You, I mean, some parents lock the cupboard, not a bad idea if you if you're thinking that your that your teams are are not able to control that impulse stuff like that um, yeah and and just pre-agreed apps um, all those all those kind of circle um, kind of apps where you can see kind of what your, what your family, what everyone's doing online. And I think we've got to get away from It's not me sneaking around and checking up on you. It's us as a family navigating the digital space world together. And I think a wonderful practice, as, as your children become teenagers, is maybe once a week all the devices go on the table, and you get to look at my social media, I get to look at yours, and we get to have a discussion about, Mom, do you want to follow that person who's constantly whining about the state of the nation? Why are you following them? They're just feeding you with negativity. So a little bit of accountability—that's beautiful. A little bit of, I mean, because for me in these spaces, integrity is everything. We can't be telling our kids to do one thing if we're doing another. Mm. So the number one thing we need to go home and do is lead by example, right? Um, is to to take stock often of our social media usage. Um, a little while ago, one of the I love sea swimming. That's one of my passions, and I belong to this group. And one of the, the guys on the group, I mean, normally it's like, what's the weather like, surf conditions, see you at bike and be 7.30, and then like four thumbs up. Um, and one, one time I was driving, and, then I, and I checked my phone at a traffic light, which I should have. <laughs> and it was like 22 WhatsApps on this group. And I'm like, what is going down on this group? And um, I opened it, and I was hit in the face with porn. And then I scrolled up just to get this picture of my thing. And what followed was just like, Aish, dodgy, da-da-da-da-da. And then a message from the same guy going, Oops, wrong group.
0: <laughs> That's his worst day ever. Ever. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: And this is like a 40-something-year-old affluent member, like respected member of our, of our community. So this, Anyway, so the point being, I had to in that moment decide... How to respond, and so I just said, I know the damage that porn does. I can't expose, because Emily will often say, Mom, can I look at photos on your phone or whatever? I can't expose myself or my family to this, and I left the group. And so we have to model healthy behavior for our children in the way we respond online, the way we speak online, and kind of the things that we're involved in. And I think, especially as our kids become teens, I'm sure you, you'll say the same, Jonathan, is integrity is everything. And they want, they're watching you. And they're seeing how you engage in the space. And, um, yeah, and, and so very practically, to just know what they're involved in. You can't opt out. We cannot opt out of these conversations. That's really good. We cannot say, it's gone too far, I'm too far gone, I only use WhatsApp, I don't even know what TikTok is. We have to do research. Um, that's why I actually have my Facebook page, um, the chat Facebook page because I know parents don't have time for this so I kind of like will drop common sense media great resource go and resource yourself if, if your kids want an app don't say yes just because their best friend has it even if their best friend father is the pastor don't do it
0: that would be a terrible idea
1: especially if he's the pastor because he's way too trusted <laughs> and he thinks his kids won't do it <laughs>
0: I'm joking? No, no. I'm a he's pastor's also, kid, as well as a pastor. pastor. Oh, I know everything so you, you know. say.
1: <laughs> Research. It's, there's so much information out there. Yeah. That's that's where Google is our best friend. So if you don't know the answer to something, Google it and find out. That's. Um, that is probably the best thing we can do for our kids is actually stay current and stay involved in their world.
0: Jonathan, some other practicals that you've seen worth implementing. I
2: think one thing I would like to point out is is. Um in the early years, so when they're preteens, that's when you, you have to, I would say, over-invest because you get to shape behaviour uh, and habits um, when they're at that age. And as Christy was saying, they start um, establishing values and sort of character building blocks at that time that will stay with them uh, as they go into more challenging years later on. Um, so. For me, something practical, like okay, if your child is, is on their tablet or their laptop or whatever device it might be, uh, rather don't have them alone in their room, uh, next to you on the couch in the lounge, and although I, I believe one screen at a time, so even if you watching TV, then watch TV, don't be watching TV, messaging, you know, doing a bunch of emails as well, one screen at a time I think is, is healthy, but um, if, if your child wants to... Browse or play a game on their on their device rather have them sitting on the couch next to you, because what you <coughs> might not realise is that while they're playing that game, they might get a message, um, you know, FaceTime. Who knows? Uh, and and it might just be something that's unexpected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Chris is saying, quite often they're exposed to stuff that you don't want them to to see just by accident. So maybe they're doing you know research for school, and at school, the school might have you know really good firewall in place and so a lot of ninety nine point nine percent of stuff is filtered out, uh, but when they get home, quite a lot of parents don't have anything, and they think because it's home, you know, it'll be fine. And yet then they're searching, As one of my pupils at my previous school in, in the Cape, uh, he was doing a, a project on different parts of the body, you know, for allergy, and so he, he searched for body parts, uh, and was quite horrified at what he was shown. <laughs> Uh, as one would expect, but he was in grade nine, so he was slightly naive and didn't realize that he was going to see those body parts. And sure. then, you know, there was... Porn sites are terrible. They will have uh, very innocent-sounding names. So for a long time, WhiteHouse.com wasn't where the president lived, mm. um, but a lot of other women um, who weren't clothed. And so people... American kids who were doing research on the White House often came across this porn site. So having them in the room with you, and they discover something like that, as Christy was saying, don't shame them. You know, talk about it, uh, and and you know, you can you can say, I'm so sorry that you've seen that, and you know, mom and dad, are, are, we love you, and that's not something that you should have seen. That's something that's special that, you know, you're going to experience a marriage uh, and have the conversation. And, and if it's happened outside of home, at a friend's house, and they come back and tell you, again, don't shame them, but actually walk them through it uh, so that they come out stronger because of it. And, and you'll find that then if one of their <coughs> friends experience something similar, they'll be in a position to help as well. So it, it's really important, I think, to, to stay in their space especially in those early years and, and to respond in a very supportive way but maybe if they've broken the rules and you said you know if you do this as a consequence you've got to follow through but you explained it's because we agreed you know it's what christy was saying you have those those conversations up front but i really do encourage you in those early years uh, spend time with them and you can shape their, their habits that, that will save you a lot of heartache down the
0: line. Is there a way for parents, particularly of kids who are friends with one another, to, to team up, to, to work together?
2: For sure. Um, one of the things I wrote down to, to share today was, um, you know, that expression takes a village to, to raise a child. Well, we don't live in those kinds of villages anymore, but, you know, your circle of friends, that's your village. So when you get together with those parents, have common rules, uh, have boundaries that are common. That way when uh, your, your son or daughter says to you, oh, but everyone else is doing X, Y, and Z, you say, no, they aren't, because we've agreed, and I know. Uh, and, and then it actually makes it easier. It makes it easier for them to, to follow through. And they actually do want boundaries. Uh, they do. Sometimes, though, I've had this experience both at school and at home where um, children will say to me, okay, I've been asked to go to this party, or I've been asked to do this or that, but just tell me no, so that I can go back and say, oh, my dad, you know, he's, he's like so unreasonable. He said no. Um, they would much rather, much rather say face. So sometimes you better got to have, you know, be the bad guy. Uh, it's fine. That's what being an adult actually is sometimes. Being a parent, it is tough. Um, but if they know you love them unconditionally, then they're going to come back to you uh, and, and, and talk. They will. It's, um,
0: it's quite terrifying to think that that in this moment where your child has maybe made some terrible mistake or got themselves exposed to something or potentially addicted to something and, and uh, you have this split second, your, your response is going to inform them whether they should ever admit something to you again or not. Um, talk to us, Christy, just a little bit. I didn't prep you for this question. We're coming into land. Um, but uh, if it has gone pear-shaped in some way, it, it, we're not just at the point of protection and oh, I'm so sorry you saw that, but... Oh, it's a bit late, some, some horses bolted in some way. How would you coach parents to, with their own hearts breaking, with their own amygdalas mm-hmm. <laughs> juiced up and terrified, to, to try to bring things back to health or navigate a, a road back to, to, to trust with their kids? What would be some <laughs> things you'd say?
1: It's such a great question. Um, and number one is we cannot let fear be our motivator in these conversations when things go wrong. Because it is fear often that first um, emotion that hits us when we realize that our children have seen something or said something or done something um, that we know is harmful to themselves or to someone else. So, that's number one is um, we can't let fear guide us and then we have to have um, open, um, meaningful conversations around them. Comp- uh, and I think up front, we make it very clear that they are loved, that they are unconditionally loved, that nothing they do ever changes that, um, but that there is now a road to walk to to kind of figure it out. And, and I guess it depends on the situation. Um, I'm going to use an example, like they've seen porn. And um, I had, a, I had a, a woman come to me, actually she phoned me in an, an absolute... Breathless floods of tears. So, and she had, done, she had had all the conversations. She had this, this boy who'd got like a 100% scholarship for high school. They'd spoken about sex. That He was a really, really a lovely um, young boy, and um, a touring side had come in um, to their school, to their high school, and they'd hosted some of these boys, and these boys had introduced her son to porn. And she came across his phone a couple of weeks later, and he got back onto those sites that he'd been introduced to. Because, um, just in case no one knows, porn is highly addictive. So even though our children might not want to look at it again, it is incredibly addictive. And often they do go, go back to it once they're exposed to it. It's a very long other conversation. Um, but her first, her first response that she wanted to give was, I'm so ashamed of you. Um, I'm so disappointed in you this is not how I raised you to be Mm. and fortunately she was crying so much she couldn't speak so she sent him to school and she phoned me Um, and I said to her those are exactly the words you don't want to say so we have to be so so aware of shame because shame comes quickly especially in in things in terms of sexuality Um, and shame causes us to shut down it causes us to retreat it causes us to think something's wrong with us and that is not the emotion we want. We want our children to know that there's not something wrong with them. They are a good, wonderful, creative person um, who's made a mistake or intentionally done something wrong. Because when there's shame, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. But when there's healthy guilt, which is a positive emotion, that 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 um, instigates change. And so we want to help them clean up their own mess. We we use that phrase earlier as if our kids have got themselves into into something, especially if they've caused it, we want to navigate those consequences because we don't want them still to be teens at 30 who need their parents to bail them out. So there may be some apologies that need to be said, there may be some hard conversations, there may be some consequences at school. We walk alongside them, helping them to do that, and then in terms of the porn, um, is to have, to talk to them about it, and, and, and sorry to say this, but if your children have seen porn, you need to, you need to go and see what they've seen, because if it's, um, depending on what kind of porn they've seen, they will need help. They will need psychological help um, to, to un, um, undo some of the, the damage. But yes, as you said, we have neuroplasticity. Um, there is hope and there is recovery. Um, and we can replace those, um, those lies with the truth of sexuality. But that is why it's so important if you have little kids here today that you start having conversations about sexuality and, and the beauty and the healthy version of sexuality soon and, and ongoingly so that when they do see those images, they have that foundation um, to, to yeah. kind of to go away. This isn't what my mom and dad spoke about. Um, and then we can healthily... Um, walk them through those things and and bring them back to a positive thing. But it is that responsibility and trust. And if they break your responsibility or if something goes wrong, you need to take some of that um, freedom back until you feel that they're better equipped to manage that freedom and do it ongoingly until hopefully they're healthy, functioning adults who are using digital Mm -hmm. media well.
0: Yeah, and by the way, it's your phone anyway. You've taken it back. It's not their phone. You own it. You pay Vodacom, so you are totally within your rights. I heard an amazing thing. Someone was saying, when you're on social media, it's the public domain, which is great, but you wouldn't invite every member of you know someone walking down the street everyone at that soccer match to come and be in your bedroom with you it's like that's private space um and so I love that terminology of just helping to rationalize for your kids why this is a space where we can all be on social media and share and what's on your feed and what's on dad's feed and why are you looking at those silly cars again dad and like let's have those chats as opposed to just going all private and secret uh we're pretty much out of time but I was hoping um if there were one or two questions from the audience if we could just try to react to those um, not, not long statements with a question mark at the end, please. <laughs> um, but, but is there anything that's, that's fascinating to you or that we've missed or that you just want to understand a little more or a scenario that you'd like to pose? Um, if you could stand, yeah, go for it. Okay. So, for, can I just repeat the question for the sake of the recording? So, we're asking about f- phones and digital media in schools, and some schools are totally opposed, and other schools say you should be connected. And should we be choosing our schools based on that? That's sort of the question you're asking, Jonathan. Do you want to think on that?
2: Yeah. Uh, when, so, at Samaria's from grade four, the girls uh, have iPads, um, but they're not allowed to have a phone at school until grade eight. Uh, they in the primaries, in the senior primary, they're not allowed to ever be on their tablet on the iPad without supervision. So they, they can only use it with uh, an adult present in the room. So that's how we've been running it for the last four or five years. Uh, what has happened in France and Australia and some states in Australia, uh, schools have had, well the headlines have said schools have banned cell phones and tablets in school. They actually haven't. They've gone to that practice where they may only use, uh, until they're 13 or 14, they may only use um, devices connected to the internet under supervision. After that, they may only use it with permission in, a, in an appropriate way. So the, the trend seems to be that uh, you don't give, a, it's not a free-for-all under the age of 13, and after after that you you, you start letting them have access, but you con- you constantly coach and train and and when they get it wrong there must be consequences and you take them through that. Um, and for me the thinking is that you, we've got to be pre- prepping them for adult world and something that, that I can say to the girls in the high school in particular, highly successful people in the future will be those that are most disciplined with technology. So if they you know, do stupid things, uh, whether it be sexting or you know, being nasty to their friends, that, you know, is going to actually follow them. They, they will, they'll have to get to the point where they realize that's not actually working for me. Uh, I'm not going to be successful if I carry mm-hmm. on doing that. So hopefully by taking them through a sort of scaffolded approach, they're, they're more responsible technology users as adults. Um, but some schools are, are a little bit more conservative, and there's nothing wrong with that as well. Uh, you know what? Whatever the school does, if it's if it's growing the child in a way where they they're learning well and they're, and they're healthy psychologically and emotionally, it's fine. There's not one way to do school. Um, our position is we just we think there are lots of really good opportunities, but that comes with the responsibility that we have to then manage the environment um, as as best we can.
0: Thank you for that question. Another, any other questions to to bring us home? Okay, yeah. So, um, uh, think, like
2: um there's like, quite a few people like earning money or social media, say by, like earning money off YouTube mm. and like stuff and do you think like this
0: is a good thing for the future or Yeah. You know, so the question is, is about these content creators. Apparently, you've got to call everything content now. Um, you're not allowed to call it words or photos. Uh, and folks are able to make money off that. Um, that seems like the dream job. Like, I just have to sort of scroll until I find other people took great photos. I sometimes only need, need to curate them. I don't even need to take them myself uh, or shoot that one amazing video, and that's going to go viral, and I'm going to be wealthy for the rest of my life. And the question um, is around just how appealing, I suppose, <laughs> that way of making a living one day must seem, uh, is that a good thing? Do you see that at some point changing? Um, Christy, how, do you, how, do you, how would you advise a young person hearing the one in a million story of someone who makes a living off social media um, to deal with that idea and that imaginary future?
1: Um, I think it's, it's nothing new. <laughs> Because people have been, I mean, you have people dreaming they'd go to Hollywood and make their millions in the movies mm. or whatever.
0: I'm still waiting to be discovered waiting, myself. Right? <laughs>
1: um, and I think, I think it's ongoing conversations with parents and educators and, and whatever. I think young digital users are becoming much more savvy. I think the, um, the days of um, Instagram influences are numbered. Because I think we 're realizing that I mean there 's nothing new. I mean we have soccer players being endorsed by Nike, even if they hate them and they kill mm. their feet, right? Mm. Um, but we, I think we 're becoming more aware. Um, there was a big thing recently about this vegan in, <laughs> influencer who was caught eating meat at a restaurant, and went all over, went viral. <laughs> um, and I think, I think as, we, as I, I think our, our young social media uh, users are, beca- are probably much more savvy than, than we are. Um, and realising that, um, yes, there is probably money to be made and there are avenues. I think our, our nephew is, yes, I can't even remember the word, where he puts stuff out there to buy, and he's like the middleman on social media. But there's so there's opportunities everywhere, but just to, to be wise and to know that um, you... If there's a reason, it's one in a million. Mm. <laughs> you probably might not be that way
0: no. I would suggest that, as a parent, it's worth investigating these people. As a, I mean, knowledge is your friend. So right. in, instead of remaining the fuddy-duddy who doesn't understand, it's to go and explore these influencers, people who are potent on social media, and try to understand what it is they do. Because... there's there's no free lunch. Like, the people who are doing great stuff, who are producing great content, are working flipping hard and are talented. Um, And I think that would be one of the most healthy things. Not to just demonise it and say it's dumb to make a living off social media, but just, well, everyone's trying. So if you want to be that, then you're going to have to be better than 50 million other people who are trying to do the same thing. Jonathan?
2: If I can just add, um, are you thinking about PewDiePie by any chance? (laughs) Okay, if there's adults in the room who don't know who PewDiePie is... Google him, watch a few videos. He'll be horrified at how much money he makes doing what he does. He's the the most popular vlogger uh, vlogger in the world. Um, That's a a video uh, (laughs) vlogger. (laughs) (laughs) It's not some weird pastime that he has. Um, So he's highly, highly successful. uh, But I must warn you, if you do watch any PewDiePie's uh, videos, turn the sound down. Really low because he swears all the time. Um, he, he talks about games mostly that he plays, uh, but he makes a, an obscene amount of money from doing what he does. But it's highly competitive, so the one in a million uh, rule does apply. That means if you look at the next most popular person, they are way down the list in terms of how many followers they have and subscribers they have. So um, not a lot of people get to be as wealthy as he is or successful as he is. However, if you are thinking around something like that where you want to be online and, and share your passion and share your expertise, that's fantastic go for it because you might not become a multi-billionaire doing it, but you might actually make a really good life out of it and it might augment your career in a really really healthy way. So become an expert, and that's just a byproduct of your expertise. Okay. Don't chase the fame and the followers because Asena Anil, uh who was a very... Uh, highly followed Uh, Instagrammer, had a complete breakdown about 18 months ago, went online to say she'd been, you know, an influencer for about uh, three, four years, and it had totally ruined her life. She was depressed. She was taking two, three hundred photographs uh, before she could post one, you know, because she had to get it just right. And she was making good money out of it, but it really ruined her life. So I would say don't follow the fame, follow your passion and who you are, and have a purpose and build on that you'll find that social media is a way for you to amplify that good thing that you've got.
0: That's really good. That's so helpful. Okay, shall we end on that note? thank you both so much. Uh, so appreciate your time here. A lot of the practical stuff you've heard about these different websites and different technology that you have will be enumerated in your book, which is available. There are some copies here, which is really wonderful. I'll do the plug for Christy, but um, there's a Zapper code there. You can buy it right now and go home tonight and not sleep your eight hours because you're going to read it. Um, <laughs> and then you're going to angry text someone at two, but it'll be, uh, you'll know not to do that because of the book. Um, and, and so you know, I would recommend that to you. Food and drink's still available. We'd love to to chat and connect. This conversation, we're going to upload as a, as a podcast for you to listen to again. It'll be on Olive Tree's uh, platform, and I'm not sure where else you'd be able to find it, but I would really recommend following the chat, going and seeing the stuff that Christy's putting out there. Um, and, and once again, my thanks. So thank you so much for all the effort and time you've put into this conversation. It's been so helpful to us. Um, yeah.